We welcome into the program from the Locked on Big 12 podcast, Josh Neighbors. Josh, good morning. Thanks for your time as always. Appreciate it, guys. How we doing? Doing terrific. We uh, let's, let's dive in and talk some college basketball. Final four is set, and there is one Big 12 team standing, and that's the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, they did. And, you know, you can say uh, the road was easy and you know, the path was cleared for them. Uh, you know, they got they got lucky and then they've been healthy. But uh, luck, you know, and luck of the draw is sometimes a part of championship teams. And they're going to have to go. I mean, they're going to have to win two really difficult games no matter who they play if they want to, you know, take down the Nets on Monday night. I mean, any way you slice it, having to beat Villanova, I know, no, Justin Moore. And having to beat one of Duke or Carolina, who, you know, you assume they win, will still be playing some of their best basketball of the season. Uh, Any way you slice it, it would be great. But I think the funny thing about this is people aren't really considering this to be one of Bill Self's best teams. So that's always that's an interesting talking point here as we head into the Final Four weekend. I asked this question earlier, but do you feel like that Kansas gets a little bit of an advantage against all these teams because – of what they've been through all season long in the gauntlet of the Big 12? Yeah, I was thinking about this last night, and I think maybe that appeared earlier in the season, uh, early in the tournament, excuse me. I think earlier in the tournament, Big 12 teams did benefit somewhat. And I know look, I know, all of them did not win, um, but the Big 12, I mean, they went 6-0 in the first round, right? Every single Big 12 team advanced and you know you saw some great second round games tcu came real close to take out arizona should have they get the foul call obviously baylor had that amazing rally iowa state gets in to the sweet 16 also so you saw that in the big 12 kind of battle-tested nature really did help them i think we're at the point now where these teams are just kind of they're all playing so well so that stuff doesn't really help them i will say I think KU has has the benefit of having played teams at really slow paces. Villanova plays a very slow pace. So I think that'll help them this game. And also there's teams like the, you know, they do like to run a little bit in the Big 12 also. So that could help them against whoever they eventually play in the championship game. So, yeah, I think there are some benefits, but I think all of these teams that are playing such good basketball, and I'm not really sure if that's impacting them at this point of the tournament. But it definitely helped them get here. That's 100% sure. Josh, what are your thoughts on uh, Scott Drew adding Tweedy Carter to his staff as director of player development? Well, Scott Drew seems, you know, he always seems to know how to pull the, the right lever. And uh, I think, you know, we're at a point now where you lose your own tag. Okay. And, you know, you're entering, I guess, not a different era, but you're going to lose a couple more of those guys, you know, lose a guy or two off what was a title team. So kind of switching things up a little bit now is a necessity and also, how do you move forward? So I think Scott Drew is going to have some, you know, some more choices to make if he keeps winning, right? He's going to lose more and more assistance. Uh, that means, you know, if you keep losing assistance, that means that you're winning. So I don't think Tweedy Carter is going to be the last new coach that Scott Drew has to bring in because somebody else is coaching other Baylor basketball coaches. Take you out of the Big 12 for just a second. I'm always intrigued by uh, people's opinion on this, but uh, Duke-North Carolina, obviously an, an interesting matchup for for a million reasons, but I was we, the Duke kids having to navigate through this tournament uh, with the additional pressure, if you will, of this potentially being Coach, K, Coach K's last game. Every time they go on the floor, it's potentially Coach K's last game. And, and honestly, I think 
that basketball teams handled this whole situation quite well. I know the the North Carolina Duke game on the final game of the of his career at Cameron didn't go their way, but I, I think just looking at what they've done in the tournament, would you agree that they've kind of navigated this thing pretty well? Impeccably. Uh, they're a talented group. They're a very talented group, but we know talent doesn't always win out. The Zion Williamson team was one of the most talented collective groups I've ever seen. They did not make the Final Four. Um, you know, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and Patrick Patterson, Eric Bledsoe, we're all on the same team. They didn't make the final four. I don't think they made the final four either. And so at some point, the light has to turn on. For me, during that Texas Tech game, guys, I was so impressed in the end of that game with how they just went shot for shot, play for play, whether it was Roach. or And I thought Bancaro had a star-making performance in that game. Uh, I know Roach was a story in the end, but Bancaro was pulling all the right levers. And I think that was the game where it's like, all right, if we can do this number one defense in the country, we can beat anybody. We can actually do it. And I thought that carried over against Arkansas where they played with a tremendous amount of confidence against a really good Arkansas team. So I do think the problem for them is um, there's another confident team on the other side of them. Carolina's shooting the cover off the ball. And they've got multiple guys who can give you 30 points any night. Uh, Brady Smith could go for 30. We saw him almost go for 40 against Baylor. Caleb Love can give you 30 points. Uh, Armando Baycott's a walking double-double, 20 and 10 off the bus, it seems like. So it, this is a great matchup, and Duke's handled this really well. But uh, I think, you know, it's a great chance for revenge. I, I still think Carolina has an excellent shot. I, I don't think this is some predetermined thing where Coach K takes out Carolina in the Final Four. This is going to be a dogfight. I think the two games this year between Duke and Carolina were kind of outliers. How often do these things usually come down to the last possession or it's a four- or five-point game? Always. And the two games this year actually didn't. So those are the outliers. I think this one's going to be a real close game at the very end. Big 12 baseball, does this look like this is going to be a better race than we thought at the start of the season with four teams in the top 15 right now and Oklahoma State playing as well as they are? Yeah, this yeah, this going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um couple upsets, though, in the midweek yesterday, which was interesting. You know, you see Abilene Christian uh, take out TCU. You saw A&M go and beat Texas. Uh, you saw Oklahoma pull off a shocker, you know, not really a shocker, but a late-inning victory, uh, you know, against uh, Oklahoma State 7-6 to yesterday. So, yeah, this thing's, this thing's pretty wide open. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. The Big 12 teams are really good, but they're also susceptible, it looks like. Josh, as far as football goes, when you look at the the transfer portal and the landscape, JT Daniels is taking visits right now, the former quarterback at Georgia, and one of the destinations on his calendar coming up is West Virginia. Do you think the, the Mountaineers have a chance of landing him, and would he fit into their system? Yeah, it's interesting to see what, you know, Graham Harrell has really – been emphasizing i've seen this in articles i've heard him speak about this fundamentals is what he's going to be coaching his quarterback group in and so you know um i think the the thing with jt is he's going to want consistent work with jt and uh, you know he's had some experience working with him as well i i'm question you know i don't know about the fit they have a couple guys there in green and marchio i i think they're that are pretty interesting to me Marchio especially coming in at West Virginia is, is going to be an interesting prospect at quarterback. So we'll see how they handle that. But 
this is a talent acquisition game, guys. We saw Oklahoma do this. Once they had Dylan Gabriel, you say, oh, they're done. You know, that, that's their quarterback. Well, they still went after Jackson Dart, right? They still pursued him pretty hard. So just because West Virginia might have a couple guys they like, you really can never have too many guys, I think, that are good at the position, especially the new offensive coordinator and Graham Harrell wanted to switch things up. So a shot at him, sure. Should they pursue him? Yes. Will they get him? I bet he goes somewhere like at Oregon State where the you know the competition for that job might not be as much because that's what the problem is. He's knocked off by other competition. And I know competition is good, but with his injury history and whatnot, he kind of needs a more clear path, I think, to being the number one guy considering his injury history. Talking with Josh Neighbors from the uh, podcast Locked on Big 12, you talk about acquisition, talent acquisition. Uh, what about retaining that acquisition? Do you think we're going to see more and more coaching staffs hang on to that depth chart and keep it locked somewhere uh, where where they don't release that information, where they try to hang on to their talent through the summer into the fall and continue that the quote-unquote competition for starting positions to hang on to their people? Yeah, you're going to see a whole lot of the Gardner Minshew is battling Trevor Lawrence for a, a spot. That's the most recent. I just remember, you know, Urban Meyer keeping up this ridiculous charade at Jacksonville where it's like, Gardner Minshew's got a shot. You know, he's, he's in this quarterback battle for the number one overall pick. Yeah, there's going to be moments where, you know, the guy is a pretty clear guy, but the coach for coaches' reasons is going to be like, no, we had a quarterback battle going on. I'd say the most – the place in the Big 12 where this is definitely taking place 100% is, uh, is going to be Texas, right? Quinn Ewers, you don't bring in a guy like that to sit. Uh, he's not coming there to sit. But Steve Sarkeesian is going to say it's a quarterback battle between him and you know, Hudson Card as well. Um, you know, I, I think there are some places where there are legit battles, right? Like Baylor is a good example. That's a quarterback battle. That, that, that is a fight for that position. But, yeah, I think there are going to be a lot of spots where coaches say this is a battle and they might already have their minds made up just so they can hang on to a guy and make sure they have some depth because I'll tell you what, guys, any, a lot of these kids that have ideas about their spot in the depth chart, it's not where they want it to be. As, as we wind down spring practices, uh, they're going to be hitting the road, be hitting the portal. I think we're going to see a whole lot of that. So, you know, I, I know it almost seems like lying to the kids, but – um, coaches are going to have to do that if they got players they want to retain. It's just kind of the, the weird time that we're in now. Who has the biggest room for improvement in the Big 12 in spring football? Is it the obvious Kansas? Um, I would say maybe Kansas Kansas State. Like, like, what, like what does that look like with Adrian Martinez? Because I think it can go both ways. I think there's a chance that, you know, if Adrian Martinez cleans up his turnover problem, we're talking about a really good player, right? If this guy – you know, can take care of the football better, that's a guy that's going to fit right in. But if his issues, you know, and Colin Klein I think is a great, great offensive coordinator to have for him, but if his turnover issues persist, that thing could go real down the hill if, if he's, you know, losing the football in late-game situations or a lot of situations because we all know Kansas State, even Deuce Vaughn's great, but not always the most explosive offense. You know, they kind of eat up clock. And if you're limiting possessions like they did in the OU game, and you're messing up in some of those possessions, well, it's going to cost you results, uh, cost you victory. So I think that one's a big variance one. I think, you know, KU is an, is an obvious choice, but it's it not because, you know, four wins would be such growth for them. Uh, I think it's important from the perspective of 
this is Lance Leipold's first full spring. Because remember, he was hired late in the game last year. So that's big. And then I want to point at Baylor, too. Baylor's got the quarterback battle. Baylor's got some key guys to replace, but I think you know a lot of people still favor them as a top-tier Big 12 team next year. So can Dave Aranda, how does he get it going to repeat success? That's my big question. So I think Baylor, Kansas State, and Kansas are the ones who can take those leaps. I'd throw West Virginia in there also. Who do you think's posed for a breakout season this year the way Baylor was last year? Ooh, it's difficult. It's, it's difficult to say. You know, who is that team that could come from the back and make it to the Big 12 championship game? I, um, I mean, if Kansas State gets a great season, that could happen. Uh, I think Iowa State could surprise some people. They're not going to be as bad, maybe, as we thought. This is kind of where Matt Campbell wants to be, right? So if there's like two weeks left in the season, we're like, could could this Iowa State team have a shot to mess up the order up top? I think it's Texas. I think Texas flips the script this year. They've got way too much talent. They've turned over that roster. And I think there's a big-time opening this year because Oklahoma State lost so much of their defense. Baylor lost some key players as well. I think there is an opening up top. And so can Kansas or can Texas exploit that? No, it's not the sexiest pick, in, or, you know, not the, the toughest pick in the world. Not, not the, uh, you know, it's kind of the obvious choice, but they've got the talent. I think Sark's a good coach. Pete Wachowski's going to be under a lot of pressure this year. Got a lot of good players in. You have Gary Patterson also. I think that's the team that if I had to pick a, a Big 12 championship game right now, I'd say it's going to be Texas OU. I can't let you get out of here without asking this. I know you cover the Nationals for Locked On uh, Nationals yeah. as well. You fill in those Cherry Blossom uniforms? Yeah, they kind of reminded me of my grandmother's furniture, but in like a positive <laughs> way. Uh, you know, it's just there's nice. You like to see a cherry blossom. It's a good look. So yeah, I, I, I will say I do like the jerseys. All right, uh, hey, what do you got coming up on your podcast? Uh, we talked. We're doing a big spring football kickoff that is coming out today. So I, I hope you guys uh, check that out, and we'll be previewing the final four as well. So spring football season, you guys know how it is. Talking season begins, and also hoops as well. All right, final final thought. Who's the winner on Monday night? I think the Jayhawks beat North Carolina in the championship game. I, I think KU Ooh. gets it done, and I, that's my pick. KU over Carolina. But I think a lot of people make picks like that, and then Duke's going to end up being Villanova. So uh, <laughs> that's how this year has worked. But I'm going to go KU over Carolina. Josh, as always, it is a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for the time. Yep, talk to you guys. Bye. We'll see you later. That is uh, Josh Neighbors from the uh, podcast Locked on Big 12.